Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show House of the Dragon? Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood. My name is Caroline and I'm here with Gretchen. Hello, everyone. And today we are continuing our analysis of Fire and Blood, and we are beginning the chapter, The Sons of the Dragon, with the first, approximately the first 10 pages. So we're calling this section one. Uh, this will be many sections as this chapter is many pages long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I wanted to bring something up from last time, Gretchen. We had talked about the Targaryens coming to Westeros and being like, wow, the seven. We're going to use the seven in everything. Seven Kingsguard, yeah. seven gates, seven, the, the, like the Westerosi really like seven, so we're just going to like lean into this motif really hard. Uh-huh. Um, I've also simultaneously been reading, rereading A Storm of Swords, oh. and I found a Davos chapter where he describes what Dragonstone looks like. Oh my god, yes. And I, I think it might actually be a Targaryen thing, not a, not a Westerosi oh. thing. So this is his description. He raised his eyes to gaze up at the walls of, of Dragonstone. In place of Merlins, a thousand grotesques and gargoyles looked down on him, each different from all the others. Wyverns, griffins, demons, manticores, minotaurs, so on and so forth. He lists a whole bunch. And the dragons were everywhere. The great hall was a dragon lying on its belly. Men entered through its open mouth. The kitchens were a dragon curled up in a ball, with the smoke and steam of the ovens vented through its nostrils. The towers were dragons, hunched above the walls or poised for flight. The windworm seemed to scream defiance while Sea Dragon Tower gazed serenely out across the waves. Smaller dragons framed the gates. Dragon claws emerged from walls to grasp at torches. Great stone wings enfolded the smithed army. The tails formed arches, bridges, and exterior stairs. So all of Dragonstone is just dragons. Just dragons. Everything is dragons. (laughs) Everything is dragons. And I'm thinking maybe this is a Targaryen thing where they're like, we got one symbol. It goes everywhere. The Westerosi have one symbol. Yeah. It goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that they were just projecting. They're like, we have one thing. Oh, oh, look, they must have one thing too. And yes. their one thing is the seven. We'll put the seven everywhere. Everywhere. It's exactly. Oh my God, I think you're right. It's their design aesthetic. It's just yes. what they're into. <laughs> yeah, they just like, they only understand design in terms of like one key feature that you just replicate. It's like a kid that's obsessed with a, like a particular animal. You know, yes. like everything you have is that. Like there was a period of time in my life where everything I had was a horse. Everything. Uh-huh. You know, and it was just because I was, my name is Caroline and I was a horse girl. I, I'm yep. a recovering, I'm a recovering horse girl. Uh, I definitely so, yeah. went through that period, but with cats. Like I did have like a lesser horse girl period, but I had friends mm-hmm. who were definitely horse girls. Mm-hmm. I was the one with like the book of like encyclopedia of a thousand cat breeds and nice. like... <laughs> Had a cat sweatshirt. I was definitely like a like a seventy year old retired lesbian when I was like <laughs> nine. Just I, cats I everywhere. Had the, I had the encyclopedia of horses that I would bring to school and be like, guys, look, this is a palomino. <laughs> have you ever heard of an Arabian? Oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> Did you have the game Herd Your Horses? No. What Did game you was know that? that game? I was a Barbie Horse Adventures girl. Okay. Okay. It was act like a board game where like oh, you're interesting. like you would go out and try and like collect horses for your ranch. Oh no, that would have been dangerous for me to play. I would have never stopped forcing my brother to play that with me. 
I might have been a bit, I mean, I'm probably a bit older than you. So maybe it was a thing that was around when I was younger and it like was out of print by the time. I was a big Barbie Horse Adventures girl, which is why okay. now when I play uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, I just pretend it's Barbie Horse Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, this is just really advanced Barbie Horse Adventures. The dark and gritty version. Exactly. It's HBO version the of... Grim dark. of uh... <laughs> Grim dark Barbie Horse Adventures is Red Dead Redemption Dark Barbie Horse Adventures. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, but it's a little gayer, in my opinion, uh, than Barbie Horse Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so the podcast. Speaking that we of do. gayer and and like you know, we're getting gay. to the gay stuff. Oh my god, I forgot that she came so fast. I know. In the story, it's great. Ha, ha, ha. She came so fast. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, 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 we're we're eleven. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, Sons well, of the Dragon Part One. Yes. So our high level summary, which we are going to keep high level. goddammit. it. That's, uh, yeah, as you will see in my notes for this and, you know, for this episode, I was like, I'm going to try and keep these, like, really brief, and then we will dig into it when we get to analysis. Yes, exactly, because we are, we are actually dedicated to the idea of making these shorter podcasts, and we've had uh, three stabs at it so far and have failed, so. (laughs) Maybe a fourth time's the charm. (laughs) Maybe a fourth time. All right, you want to start the summary? Sure. So, uh, our summary of these 10 pages within these 10 pages here's what happens uh Rainies and Visenya each have a kid mm-hmm. uh and the kid turns out to inherit a lot of their personality and tendencies in a very George R. R. Martin way mm-hmm. uh the kids are a lot like the parents if you believe um, the maester if you believe if we believe the maester mm-hmm. um meaning that like Aenys is a soft boy he's the older brother he's the son of Rainies. he's a very gentle courtier who likes dancing and um alchemy and Mm -hmm. is like an adequate fighter but like doesn't really enjoy it Mm -hmm. um and magor is the angry warrior son um Mm -hmm. visenya's son who resents that he can't be king and so does visenya Mm -hmm. apparently visenya now has a very strong commitment to her son being the king instead Mm -hmm. of Anies. They are strong Viserys Damon vibes from House yes. of the Dragon. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. This dichotomy uh, is going to come up throughout the Targaryen lineage. Uh huh. I don't know how much I caught that on my first read of Fire of Blood, but this time I was reading it and I was like, okay, George, do you only really know how to write like like one brotherly dynamic? This is a very common brotherly dynamic, I, I would argue, and we could talk about this in the analysis, that it's flipped mm-hmm. with Joffrey and Tommen. Yes, I agree. And so the question is, which is better? I think that's the point of that, if, mm-hmm. if one is better. Uh, yep. Yeah, so Anus gets... I know you say Anus. You can call it whatever you want. It's Anus. It's got... It's 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 the combination of the name Aegon and Rainus. And if we say Rainus, we gotta say Anus. <laughs> I usually say Rainies, so... Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, anus or Anies, however you want to say it, uh, gets married As George R. R. Martin says, pronunciation is whatever you want, so... Doesn't he say Viserys? I heard that once, and that's wrong. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't like that, though. No, like, we don't. pronounce it however you want, but not like that. But not like that, no. That's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> All pronunciations are fine, except that one, no. Except that one. That one's just wrong. <laughs> Aenys marries his cousin, Alyssa Valerian, and uh, they have uh, just a whole, like, cluster like, of kids. Uh, six kids? Reyna, our girl, uh, Aegon, the firstborn son, Viserys, secondborn son, Jaehaerys, thirdborn son, Alicent, the fifth child with the second daughter, and then they have a baby, Vaela, who uh, dies soon after birth. So they have five living children. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Magor marries Cerise Hightower. Uh, he's 13, and she's, like, in her 20s. I thought he was 15. It doesn't really make a big difference. But I thought he was 15, 15 when they got married. I know that um, I uh, Aenys and Alyssa are both 15. Maybe um, I'm getting confused. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll confirm. Which is real young. Yeah. And she has a baby within a year. And, like, 15... Look, That's I'm really just going young. to go on the record and say that as someone who studied history, the whole weird idea that, like, back in the Middle Ages, people were regularly getting married in their teens and having babies is um, uh, is bullshit, actually. Mm-hmm. That's really not how things worked. Um, most people got married right around, you know, like the, the, the age of marriage and having babies was act- for the average person, so mm-hmm. small folk, non- aristocrats was fairly similar to what it is now um no you're correct he was 13 at the time and um lord high lords and princes and stuff only got married young if it was a political alliance and generally they would not consummate the marriage until everyone was at least 18 Mm -hmm. so for all of the people who read these books and are like oh martin is reflecting accurate his history when the 13 year old is getting is you know, no, being forced would... into having sex with her 30-year-old husband. Like, no, actually, no. that's not how it worked. Even in the Middle Ages, they understood but that also, 13 years old was too young for a woman to have a baby. Also, the the it happened this way back then argument is very weak when, like, there's also dragons. You know, it's fiction. Yeah, right? <laughs> it yes, doesn't have fiction. to be this way. Well, I guess that begs the question, why did Martin, Martin do that? Because he consistently does that throughout. Right. Right. Know. I feel like they're, um, I'm of two minds. We're like, I could see an argument that, like, he thinks he's being accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, because there are a lot of people who do think that this is historically how it worked. Yeah. Um, or that he's doing it to emphasize the the abuse in under patriarchy and how much women are subjected to under patriarchy. Yeah. I, I tend to think it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. I think he probably did. Because I imagine if he knew that it, like, just straight up wasn't historically accurate, he maybe he would have more pause. Right. Uh, for it, but I, I, do, I do think it's useful in a literary way to introduce mm-hmm. because you're introducing questions about consent that also make us question our modern views of consent with right. age as an involved factor. Because you know, I, I just read the part in Storm of Swords where um, Sansa and Tyrion get married, oh, and Sansa's yeah. like 14, and it's like, and Tyrion's like what in the 30s or something, uh-huh. and you know, he wants to have sex with her. He's attracted to her, and it's like, dude, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Like, and but that's the point. Is I'm supposed to read that and think, dude, what the fuck? If she was 18, right. I wouldn't have that same reaction. So I do think it has a, a literary purpose mm-hmm. to it. That's actually a really good point because that's similar to what happens here. Is that Magor? He's 13 years old, and mm-hmm. his wife is in her 20s. She's 10 years older than him. Yep. She's um, 23. Yeah. And just like we saw in Game of Thrones with Tommen and Marjorie, where there is like also a significant gap. Mm-hmm. Like, neither the Maester nor that show treat this as if it's in any way problematic. In fact, like, the Maester, like, you were the one who said in the notes, the Maester is, like, a really gross description of it's the bedding. It's so gross. It's like he, I don't even want to, I don't even want to read it again. It was gross. But it's like, everybody was like, he's a lusty husband. It's like, oh my god, he's 13. He is in 8th grade, maybe ninth grade. Think right. about that. He's playing Fortnite on the weekends with his buddies. He's not like <laughs> he's not and a lusty dad, husband. In his dad's gaming chair. In his dad's gaming chair, exactly. Like he he's not a lusty husband. He is thirteen, and and if the roles were reversed, no one would be like she was a lusty wife. You know, like obviously right. this is like a masculinity patriarchy thing that we're encountering, mm-hmm. uh, and the way that Megor is portrayed throughout, which we'll discuss. Right. Um, so Megor gets married. 
but uh, no children are described in this first 10 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Right, and he marries a high tower, which I thought was yeah. interesting that the high towers are just kind of immediately sliding in and being like, hey, how close can we get to the throne? Yeah, um, that is interesting to sort of see how these houses begin to tie themselves to the Targaryens, for, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so Magor has, you know, second son syndrome, where he's just <laughs> mad all the time because he is so good at swinging the sword, and therefore he should be king, obviously. Mm-hmm. And his, apparently Visenya also thinks he should be king because he's good at swinging the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, like, so there's this kind of, like, hatred between them is festering and meanwhile Aegon says what if we upgrade the Aegon fort uh I'm busy with my Aegon fort yeah and he just kind of chills and doesn't really do uh very much to to even seem to acknowledge that there's strife Mm -hmm. between the brothers yep um and so that that'll come up more in the next section that we read and then Reyna the eldest daughter is our, our favorite little lesbian. Yeah, she's so gay. That's my little That's the end of the high level summary is that Raina is very gay. <laughs> she has favorites, Gretchen, okay? <laughs> They're her favorites. <laughs> They're her favorites. It means nothing. <laughs> exactly. They're best friends. I have so many questions about all of her best friends that are named. Oh my god. Because this girl, she gets around, man. She's got a lot of best yes. friends. I'm like, girl. What are you doing? Is this was this your cosplay? Yes. You want to tell the audience about it? We should. We could. Oh yeah. Um, a few years ago, I went to Ice and Fire Con and I did a cosplay of Reyna, this Reyna, um, and yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Was it. Awesome. Um, yeah. My name tag. Um, and once maybe once we get some social media up, we can I can share some of my cosplay. Um, I had a name tag that said, "Hello, my name is Reyna. No, not that Reyna. The other Reyna. No, not that Reyna. The other Reyna." <laughs> Um, because there are like three. So, um, yes, I usually had to say I'm the gay one. That clears it up. That clears it up very well. There is only one gay Reyna. Yes. <laughs> um, we, I definitely want to post some pictures of your cosplay for that because it's awesome. Yeah. I also did a couple other that weekend that I, that I didn't share with you. I did a, um, uh, a Lady Stoneheart cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as um, for all of the nerds who have read The World of Ice and Fire, I did an Amethyst Empress, who is this, like, mythological character from, like, the ancient history that mm-hmm. seems, like, her story seems to really function as kind of, like, the proto-usurped queen. Interesting. She, like, inherits the throne from her father and marries her younger brother, who ends up usurping her and taking her place mm-hmm. as the ruler of the kingdom. Um, and it does seem to function as this, like, you know, the er usurped woman mm-hmm. um, of the entire history of Westeros. Um, I see a pattern you're doing there, George. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, very interesting. Especially because it's, like, it's often a younger brother. That, like, it should be, like, we could talk about this a little bit more when you get mm-hmm. into the analysis section. But, like, he is doing a thing about, like, women who should inherit power and men who steal it from them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and that's one of the reasons we love House of the Dragon so much, because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of social media, by the way, I'm going to say this on this podcast. Who knows when this podcast will come out? Um, I think we're going to try to make an email, an Instagram, and a threads, which mm. is the new thing. Have you done the threads yet? I have not done the threads yet. I'm oh, a blue I, sky. 
I started the threads. Threads seems to be kind of taking off, so we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I do want to post your cosplays, and then I have yeah. some older. Um, I have pictures from a while ago from my when I was a weirwood tree. Nice. So there was. So every now and then you're a tree, and it's yeah. great. <laughs> oh, I do have an old one from a while back where I did a gender bent year on Greyjoy. Oh, nice. Oh, that's fun. Did you have so, an eye patch? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I wore it to Ren Fair and no one knew who I was. But I was like, I'm a I'm a pirate. But like, yes. I was Euron Greyjoy. <laughs> I wore I wore the Weirwood tree to a couple cause a uh, couple conventions. But I wore it to Renfair, um, thinking no one would know what I was. Uh-huh. And that was like one of the years that Game of Thrones was very big, and everybody knew what I was, so it was great. Nice. And I was just like, I'm a tree. I'm a tree. I'm a tree. I'm a I'm a I'm a tree. Yeah, and I had like become. blue lipstick. Yeah, more, and I, more accurate than the show version. <laughs> I know, right? With an eye patch and blue lipstick. Yes. Um, oh, that's awesome. And I have a cup, like a wine cup that's got like Cthulhu on it. Yes. And so that's I took that around because I was like, look, Cthulhu, like Cthulhu doesn't exist in Westeros. But, but like, Euron Greyjoy would absolutely have like a Kraken goblet because he's mm-hmm. very Lovecraftian. I was or, about to say, he's that's like... Dipping into like a kind of Lovecraftian style thing. Okay. If you believe he's actually doing it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. We so, really go to our summary. Let's go to our analysis. Let's go to our analysis. <laughs> uh, what was the maester thinking? What's his bias in this section? Uh, I don't just think there's any bias. I think the Targaryens are amazing and they're the best house. <laughs> and uh, as a Targ stand myself, I see no bias in the uh, <laughs> blood purity crap that comes up here. And, oh my god! Uh, that how incest is fine because they need to keep the bloodlines pure or some such thing. Oh. I, I think what's interesting about this claim about the Targaryens mm-hmm. being able to do incest is they're like, well, in Valyria we did it, and there's no way to check that citation. Yep, there's nope. no way for anyone mm-hmm. in Westeros to like find out if that's true. Yep. Like the Targs could have, for all we know. The Targs were the only family doing incest in Valyria, and all the other Valyrians were like, ew, and that's why they left. Right. You yes. Know? Like, yes, for all we know, Danny's did, like, Danny's yeah. a dreamer did not have a prophetic dream. It was just kind of like, everyone was like, ew, you're doing incest. And they're like, yeah. okay, I guess we'll go do it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Like, you hear every now and then about those, like, like, um, like mountain groups of people that are like live in caves that are incestuous and stuff like that and they're like like ostracized from society like mm-hmm. that easily could have been what the targaryens were mm-hmm. and they did literally go to live on a mountain in caves so like it's very possible that that's just fucking bullshit so this whole premise of we're incestuous because it's magic right. it's like no you just want to fuck your sister because you're weird like <laughs> <laughs> right well like so, because you and I, we've talked about this a little bit, but I know, and I know that it will, it's going to be coming up again and again, that, like, you and I don't believe that the, that there's any kind of special thing that the Targaryens can do with the dragons, that, like, no. that's all hype. Exactly. Oh, you know something, Gretchen? Let's talk about horse girls again here. This is a great place to talk about horse girls briefly. Yes. So, we, we both are of the opinion that there isn't a magical connection between Targaryens and dragons. Now, mm-hmm. the strongest evidence that there is is the Daenerys chapter's in the later Song of Ice and Fire books, where she kind of describes having su- what she's interpreting as, like, a connection to Drogon, right? Right. As a recovering horse girl, I can absolutely guarantee you that as a teenager, I thought I had a magical connection to the horses I rode. Absolutely. <laughs> hands down. No questions. Mm-hmm. I was so emotionally attached to these creatures. I was like, 
I, I used to ride a horse named Calvin. I rode him for about two years, and then somebody bought him, and I was devastated. Um, and I was like, we, we just synced so well. He was so good for me. Like, we, like, did really well. No one else could ride him well. He was, like, a, like a terrible horse for everyone else. But for me, he was great uh-huh. at yeah. all this. And I'm like, we had, like, a deep, wonderful connection. And it's like, no, it's just, like, this horse, to the extent that this horse has, like, brain function, liked me for whatever reason or, like, didn't mind me right. and behaved. And I, as a human with really complex uh, brain function, imputed this whole like emotional relationship between us right. that absolutely did not exist there's i mean i had an emotional relationship with this horse mm-hmm. but this horse is just a horse i mean right. he he had the a relationship with me to the extent he could right but it wasn't magic it was just i was feeling things i was just right. like wow like i'm so special this horse is so special we're the specialist pair you know Aww. no one else can ride this horse it's only me you know that kind of thing right and, and i think that's what's happening with the dragons Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that once we get to the dance, we will be able to talk more about why it is that we might think that Mm -hmm. um, based on, you know, the quote unquote dragon scenes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whether or not that's a real thing or if the Targaryens are making it up. But the blood, I feel like I I brought that up because the, the blood purity thing and the like incest is fine when the Targaryens do it. Fits if you assume that they have a magical bond with their dragons. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still gross, but like mm-hmm. that's part of their excuse, right? Is they're like, well, we have to keep the bloodlines pure because that's how you're a dragon rider. Mm-hmm. And if you like get to the point where you're like, okay, that's bullshit. Anyone could ride a dragon as long as you're not like a terrible person to the dragon you're riding. You know, like it like yeah. with the horse, like some people might be better suited for the particular temperament of a particular mm-hmm. horse or whatever but like anyone could ride a horse yeah oh yeah it might, it might not be the right horse for you but anyone could ride one conceptually right if you get to that point with the targaryens then you're like okay well like the incest shit is just that's just I mean, a weird thing your family does then right exactly oh that's it absolutely it. and i mean the whole bloodline purity thing too is severely undercut by the fact that they marry into the valerians so frequently so it's like, we got to keep the Targaryen bloodlines pure, except for the fact that, like, every other generation we're marrying into the Valyrians. Right. Because Aegon's parent, one of Aegon's mother, I think Aegon's mother was a Valyrian. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Aegon and his sisters. Right. Then you have, I mean, like, the Valyrians are just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so are they also magic blood? Blood? Magic and they're dragon clearly blood? willing to marry into another house if there's no... Valerian available you know right. like Magor is willing to marry Cerise Hightower right and several other women yes as we will see as we will see <laughs> um but like they're clearly willing to marry into other houses if there's no Valerian available and that just feels like okay but if you're willing to do that this whole mm-hmm. blood purity thing can't be that important to you can right. it right exactly then you if that really were true, would you object to betrothing the infant child to Magor when he's 13? Right. Exactly. It's like, oh, that would be the better option to do. Because right. we'll, we'll have to wait around for a minute, but, like, then the blood purity will be blood pure. You know, I don't know. I'd be interested to look at the tree and kind of try to figure out, and I'm not a math person, so we'd have to find a math person to do this. Or maybe you're a math person who could do this. Uh, figure out what, like, how pure is Daenerys Targaryen? pure right. quote-unquote is Daenerys Targaryen by the end uh-huh. of this or is it that and I think this is what's borne out in the text they they 
impute purity to someone by the more Targaryen they look. Yes. The people that look like the the beaten golden hair and lavender eyes of a true Targaryen. 75% of her blood is Valyrian. You know, like, eh, uh-huh. what, are, what are we doing here? Is this just, is it maybe just also racism? Right, right. Again, I'm thinking of House of the Dragon and how they're like, Rhaenyra has kids that are not Targaryens. And I'm like, she's a Targaryen. Right. Her yes. kids are no less Targaryen than Alicent Hightower's kids. If we're talking about, like, if we assume, you know, that Rhaenyra and Viserys are e- are full Targaryen, which is not true, but, like, let's mm-hmm. just accept for the premise that they're full Targaryen. Mm-hmm. They each had a sexual partner who is not at all Targaryen. Right. So exactly. technically, Rhaenyra's kids, um, with Harwin Strong, are the same amount of Targaryen as Alicent and Viserys' yes! kids. Yes. They just don't look like it, so no one thinks they are. Right. So I think you're right. It has everything to do with how people look. That like mm-hmm. being a Targaryen is like what you look like, and has right. nothing to do with genetics or you know. I mean, they didn't know Mendelian principles of inheritance. Like, they, right. you know, they're just like, you have purple hair and silver and or goldish, you know, you have silver and or goldish hair and, like, bluish, purpley eyes, so you must be Valyrian in some way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this even happens with, what, House Dane, where mm-hmm. every now and then someone in House Dane has, like, purplish eyes and they're like, ooh, like a Targaryen. And it's like, yeah. but, yeah. buddy. <laughs> or Darkstar. Yeah, Darkstar uh, Dane. You, were, you and I were just yeah. talking a little bit about Darkstar. Yeah, like, dude, we have to... He's got, like, silver hair with, like, a streak of black and, like, dark indigo purpley eyes. And like, ooh, look at Targaryen, he's so pretty. (laughs) It's it's very basic. I think people, uh, particularly when it comes to, like, fantasies... I think this is one of the things George R. R. Martin is doing with us, is that he's playing with the audience, because particularly with the fantasy stuff, we're very color-coded for your convenience. You know, it's kind of (laughs) like... My favorite color coded for your convenience is Avatar The Last Airbender, where it's like the uh-huh. water tribe. Everyone looks this way and wears blue. Uh-huh. Or Earth Kingdom, everyone green. Like, it's like, but I get it because it's a fucking kid's show. So yes, it's, it right. does need to be color coded for my convenience. But in fantasy, that's a trope that he's playing with here. Uh-huh. And he's saying like, maybe you should question the stuff that you're just like the narrative is insisting is true. Maybe it's not. And I think that's the whole point of the book and our analysis of it, actually. Yeah. And, like, one final note on this is that um, when we were talking about the writers having a magic bond, Mm -hmm. like, this is the, this, this, in this 10 pages is where we find out that Reyna, so Aenys' daughter Reyna, is the first one to start putting dragon eggs in the, in the Mm -hmm. cradles of the Targaryen baby. So, like, putting a dragon egg in the, in the cradle with a baby, um, which is a terrible idea, but whatever. Um, doing it yeah, I was going to say, it's not very safe at all. Don't do that. <laughs> no, this is a really bad idea. She shouldn't yeah. be doing it. But, like, good for you. I love you. You can do no wrong. Um, yes. And, like, both her and her father are talked about in this chapter as, like, oh, they're, like, weak and fragile. And they cried a lot as babies. And they didn't thrive until they got an egg. They got their first dragon. And suddenly, magically... Mm-hmm. having a dragon just transform them into like a confident person mm-hmm. and i know like you can tell that the way the maester's putting it is like it's because of the magical dragon bond that like targaryens yeah. are so bonded with a dragon that like a suit like they might not thrive until you give them a dragon and then suddenly like they they draw strength from having their dragon around or whatever mm-hmm. and i'm like okay buddy 
yes, sure. It's the magical dragon bond. This is in no way about like when you're a kid and someone gives you a dragon and maybe maybe you are a shyer, more introverted kid and then mm -hmm. someone gives you a dragon and suddenly you're fucking cool. Yeah. And you feel confident. Like yeah. if I like I was a like a shy introverted kid if someone had given me a dragon like maybe I would have blossomed into being confident and like exactly. capable and you know. Oh, definitely. And or even I mean even just more simply when you're a kid and you discover something you're good at. Yes. You know. It's like right. you know, suddenly it's like, "Oh, this is a skill I have. I can ride this dragon. It makes me unique." Right. And it's also fucking badass. So like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, right. I think, I don't, I think it's a lot less, I think it's basically no magic. Yes. So is it magic or did we trick you? We absolutely tricked you. It's a very little, if any, uh -huh. magic present. Right. Yeah. And I think that there is, on the doyalist level, there is a, there is a metaphor that you can talk about here about what it does to a person to gain a sense of power and privilege when they're young. Um, and that yeah. can either mm -hmm. direct someone to transform them by, by giving them confidence and, mm -hmm. and self-assurance, someone like an Aenys or a Reyna, who was mm -hmm. kind of shyer, more bookish, more isolated, introverted. But it can either, like, give them self-confidence or it could make you a cruel asshole, like, mm -hmm. da like a daemon or mm -hmm. potentially a magor, mm -hmm. um, which is what we can transition to next. Yes. It's like, uh, I think you Magor. and I might have different opinions on Magor. <laughs> I, so here's the thing. So why don't you talk about Magor uh, being a sociopath? Because I think that's the... the the reading the that Maester wants. Yes. That like, um, so there are the like, you know, the serial killer trifecta, quote unquote, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I buy that. Um, but in our common parlance, so people would recognize it, there are like signs to look for in a child that they may end up to become sociopathic or violent or a serial killer this is in our world, and it's things like, you know, setting fires, mm -hmm. um, harming animals. That's a big um, one, yeah. I can't remember the other one. There's another one. Um, like, head trauma, I know, is a sign. Like, anyway, there are, like, these things that you can look for that's like, oh, if they do those things when they're a kid, mm -hmm. I don't know, you're, you might have a little serial killer on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, so I th I'm interested to hear your thoughts, because, like, this is the, the in this section we find out that Magor allegedly killed a cat right. when he, he was they a kid. Gave him a sword and he immediately cut a cat up. Yeah, yeah. When he was mm -hmm. given his, as soon as he got a sword, he immediately like butchered a cat, mm -hmm. um, which kind of reminds me of Joffrey, who we we that story in A Song of Ice and Fire of Joffrey cutting open um, the pregnant cat and looking at the kittens. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is doing is trying to do a similar thing of like, mm -hmm. wow, there were signs that this kid was like a violent sociopath when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely, I think, what Martin is doing is is playing with that. And so that's the question. So I, as soon as you, as what you just said was like, oh, maybe this is this is retro. This is like retroactive. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're going for? That like the Mace yeah. is putting this stuff in here because of where he knows Magor goes. I'm not. I so so I want to I want to qualify this thing. Like I'm not sure. Because we haven't finished this chapter, I think I'm going to need to right. finish out this chapter for me to, like, form an opinion on it. And, like, maybe mm -hmm. even the book to form an opinion on, like, what th what thematically makes sense. Because it's very possible that this is all true. That the... Because, right. um, like, the, the cat story, for example, the maester writes it and then he says, though that might... That was very almost certainly made up by his enemies later. So it's 
like that story, for example, could really be taken anyway. It could yeah. be that it was in fact made up later, or it could be that the Maester is a targ stand and doesn't want you to think that badly of Magor. But it can, and it could be anything in between, right? There's like yeah. that that fog is so heavy in this uh-huh. situation. So, and I, I maybe I'll get more into this when we get when we do our next podcast and, and read the next pages because that's when um, Magor starts taking multiple wives, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I just, I'm just questioning whether he, the kind of the same issue with Visenya, right? So Visenya is the dark, right. the spooky, scary lady, right? <laughs> but she needs to be the spooky, scary lady because later when the maester's writing about the dance, he needs to make Rhaenyra a spooky, scary lady. And he needs to make it clear that an older sister is not appropriate when there is a younger brother available, right? Yeah. So he lays that seed from the conqueror all the way down to the dance, Uh so Magor similarly, you know, does bad shit that mm-hmm. will come up later. And yeah, with the with the retrospective aspect of it, I wonder how much the maester is uh, trying to p- paint him the same way as Visenya, like trying to paint him as evil from the jump and be like, well, it's a good thing this didn't work out because he was such a bad, bad dude. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point that like there's a level of like, well, everyone can agree that Magor is a was a bad king who did some terrible things, um, but it's the it's the royal house, so we can't actually just come out and say, mm-hmm. "Wow, what a terrible what a terrible person!" Right? Um, because that might seem like disloyalty to the Targaryen royal family. Right, and he's like trying to walk this kind of fine line between those two things. But I think we'll need. I, I don't know. I'm I'm like because we're trying to think about fire and blood. Uh-huh. From the point of view of the House of the Dragon writers. The House of the right. Dragon writers, like, really fundamentally questioned everything that was on page. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they fundamentally questioned was Rhaenyra being evil. Right. And so I'm thinking, is Magor actually... I mean, he may very well be. He may very well be actually an evil person. Mm-hmm. Or is this a serious misconstruing of what of history for right. a purpose? You right. know? So I'm, I'm not sure. Right, and as we get into talking about the similarities between um, Magor and Aenys and Viserys and Daemon, I think we'll be like I think that will help a lot mm-hmm. um, in this discussion. But before we get there, um, there's just like a couple of other like really minor biases that I think we should question, like whether or not Aenys was actually weak. You know, mm-hmm. like he get, he gets painted in these first ten pages of the section as like, oh, he's a weak king. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that quote-unquote weakness has a lot to do with the fact that he's not martial. Absolutely, 100%. But that's literally what they mean yeah. by a weak king is like, he's only an adequate fighter and he doesn't seem to like swinging a sword. And that right. means he's weak. And I'm like, cool, great. You're like, patriarchal feudalism is showing, sir. Like, But what's crazy <laughs> to me is that there's no way he was any worse of a warrior than Aegon the Conqueror. Right? But we excuse Aegon the Conqueror for that, like, no problem. Uh-huh. But Aeneas is like, nope, he was a weak. But yeah, it's absolutely just a martial thing. I think part of the irony here is that Aeneas is a lot like Aegon. He just doesn't have, like, he his is. dragon wifeies to take charge for him. He is. He does. <laughs> he. This is what happens when you don't have a dragon wife. This is why yes. everyone needs a good dragon wife. <laughs> Every mediocre dude just needs a <laughs> dragon <laughs> wife. Behind <laughs> Every mediocre Targaryen king. Is a dragon wife. <laughs> right. And if he doesn't have one, then everyone's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, this guy yeah. sucks. And it's like, Absolutely. sure, Aegon would have sucked too. 
Yeah. Oh my god, without Rainus and Messenia, he'd be doomed. He would have never conquered. Right. He probably would have never invaded. Literally, what he wanted to do, which we know in this chapter is literally at this, it seems like the soonest chance he can get it. He literally just wants to attire to his Aegon fort and start, like, He just like, wants to build his fort. Yes. <laughs> he wants to be in his gamer chair. Yes. I can't, I can't begrudge him that because I, too, want to be in my gamer chair. But yes. that's, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it's simple. Um, um, and there is a lot of praise for Magor as, like, a warrior. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, a... And a huge dichotomy is being made. And that's the, that's the part that I think we can question is, like, was Magor really the best warrior in all of Westeros? And was mm-hmm. Aenys really, like, a weak, ineffectual, you know, sissy boy? Mm-hmm. Like, is it was the divide really that sharp? In the same way mm-hmm. that, like, we questioned, is the divide really that sharp between Rhaenys and Visenya? Like, is this, like, di- right. dichotomy that they're depicting of, like, the one, like, the super violent, scary lady and, like, mm-hmm. the pretty, dainty court lady. Was it really that, was mm-hmm. the divide really that strong? And I feel like here in this section we can start to question, like, okay, but was were they really polar opposites as kids? Or were they, in fact, closer together? But, like, according to, like, feudalism standards, any any man who doesn't want to be a warrior... And is visibly depicted as not what like it, and it's visible that they don't really want to fight because I think that mm-hmm. Aegon was fairly conciliatory as well. Yeah, but he didn't see it as much. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't as visible to the entire kingdom that Aegon well, was a- so conciliatory. Aegon was in the middle of like a war too, so like he had to like a war of conquest he's, that he started. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his sister started, uh, so he had more options to be martial. Um, Mm-hmm. Anus will will have similar, well, not even similar. Anus will have some challenges right. in a martial way, but not to the extent that mm-hmm. the three conquerors did. Right. So I think that's part of it too. It's like you have these three powerful dragon riders come in and like do all this conquering, and then the very next heir is just kind of like, yeah, this is fine. We're, right. we're chilling, yeah. but we we don't need to fight because we already did the fighting. Yeah, we're like, he's so weak. Like, what? Who is he? What? 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 Who's he supposed to fight? <laughs> <laughs> we fought already. We did it. Right. Um, and also, finally, in this section, I find it adorable that the maester just like literally has um, heterosexuality glasses on. Oh my god, the goggles are so thick. <laughs> like, yes, like the heterosexuality goggles are like the <laughs> thickest things they do, that I've ever seen. Oh, it's man. it's really adorable. It's and also so... the way that history actually works. <laughs> yes. It's so obvious that Reyna is gay from the jumpity jump. And I'm uh-huh. like, yo, come on, guys. Yeah. I forget, is it this section or the next one where they talk about the pro- going on a progress with the kids? Um, it's this one. one. It's it's towards the end of these last pages. Yeah. Where she's like being a moody teenager. Yeah. She's and like 15 or something. Because her girlfriend can't yeah. be She's, like, sad, and she won't, like, talk to people or whatever, and her mom's like, okay, you can bring your, your bestie along, and then suddenly she's all, like, lit up with life. It's like, she just wanted her girlfriend to come on vacation with them. That's all she wanted. <laughs> They're probably writing letters to each other all every day, sending DMs back and forth, you know? <laughs> it's so boring here. I don't like yeah. it. Being at court is no fun without you. I miss you. I oh wish you God. were here. Yeah, oh very... Very Rhaenyra, young Rhaenyra vibes as well mm-hmm. from House of the Dragon. Like yes. Same, same kind of thing. Oh my gosh, right? Like with the episode where they go on the hunt and she's just like being like a moody teenage girl. Yeah. 
Because her because her girlfriend got married to her dad. Right? Which is even <laughs> worse. <laughs> her girlfriend got married to her dad and now yeah. her her two year old people are saying that her two year old nephew is gonna steal the throne from her and or maybe they should get married. So uh, I mean lots of reasons worst. to be a moody teenage girl. With Reyna, I guess we'll talk about this more as we go on. Do you think that she was gay in the, like, Rhaenyra kind of way, where it's, like, it's obvious from an outside perspective that that's what was happening, but she never actually acknowledged it? Or do you think at, or do you think at some point, or when do you think Reyna actually acted on her gayness? I think by the time that she's dating her cousin... Is that the one that she brings? So she has a lot of girlfriends. Is no, that the she one she brings? She has a lot of girlfriends. So um, it's Larissa, Larissa Valarion. Um, let's see where it says it. Um, it's just written in a really suspicious way. Okay. So, um, right. Okay. So I love this section because it says, not long after, Raina made her first true friend, which is the gayest way. I love it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to call my girlfriend that. Yeah, my first, oh, my true, first friend. true friend. <laughs> first true friend in the person of her cousin, Larissa Valarion. For a time, the two girls were inseparable. Until Larissa was suddenly recalled to Driftmark to be wed to the second son of the even star of Tarth. Yep. Yep. Um, and there's I wonder a young why. Young nothing if not resilient, however, and the princess soon found a new companion in the hand's daughter, Samantha Stokeworth. And that's just written that I'm like... Okay, someone caught them fooling around. Yep, someone was like... You don't just, like, "Hmm." suddenly marry off your daughter to some Mm -hmm. random dude unless, like... And the thing is, it's written in such a way that if either one of those... Like, if... so, Okay, so if Reyna had been a boy Mm -hmm. and Larissa was suddenly married off, you'd be like, oh, because they were caught having sex and she might get pregnant and they're marrying her off to a dude. Right. Yep. Like, clearly Larissa can't get pregnant, but it's the mm-hmm. same reaction of, like, oh, no, gotta marry her off, that I'm like, yep. okay, they were clearly found I messing think around. Correct. I think you are correct. <laughs> they were inseparable, Gretchen. Inseparable. They were inseparable first best friends. <laughs> first best friends. First true friends. <laughs> first true friends. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Because I, I mean, think we'll get to stuff much later on with Raina, where it's obvious that she's just like... Obvious, yes. You know. Oh, I can't wait for Alyssa Farman. Anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. All right. So, okay, our next section is what really happened. All right, uh, so let's, now that we've kind of looked at the Maester's biases, we can start to unpack kind of what we right. think that is actually going on behind them. Yeah. So one thing I, I think I figured out, because we've always, everyone always makes fun of the name Anus, or Anies, because it sounds like Anus, right? Right. Um... I think it's a combination of Aegon and Rhaenys. As soon as you wrote that down, I was like, yes. Yes, that's exactly what that is. And as far as I recall, if I remember my Targaryen history correctly, there's no other Aenys Targaryen. There is an Aenys Frey, which I think is probably, like, during the the proper story, there's an Aenys Frey. And I think Uh that probably was, like, Walder Frey's, like, laughing joke, like, to name his son Aenys. I imagine Uh Walder Frey was like, ha, 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 ha. But other than that, there's no... I don't believe there's any other Aenys Targaryens. There's just this one. I don't one. think so either. Yeah. But uh, you wrote, is it, better or, is it better or worse than Renesmee from Twilight? <laughs> which, was, which has always been my standard of, like, terrible ways to combine parents' names. 
But I feel like just because anus sounds like anus, that it's worse. Even though Renesmee is really bad. Don't name your child that. That's a dumb name. Yeah. Um, You know there's a kid out there named that. There's got to be. I do know that. Yeah. By laws of numbers. We're naming their kids Khaleesi, so someone's going to name their kid Renesmee. Ah, Khaleesi. Um, Anyway. So, yeah. um, So, one of the, the descriptions, like, talking about the anus... Some of the descriptions of him are just hilarious, and this kind of goes to what we were talking about with him being, you know, quote-unquote weak. Like, they're describing him as an infant, and the text is like, everyone said he was nothing like his father. Like, but, yeah, what are you talking about? He's a baby! Baby's how could crying! He be, how could he be like or not like his father when he's a baby? How do you tell? And immediately people start being like, oh, it must be a bastard child from, like, you know, Raina's sleeping around or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, of course, because right, he's a baby right, that because cries. the literal newborn infant is crying all the time. Mm-hmm. Can't actually be Aegon's kid because Aegon isn't crying all the time. Right, because Aegon is so manly. Aegon right. was never Aegon was never a baby. He was born directly into the world as a <laughs> conqueror. <laughs> just sprung fully formed from the yes, you know, exactly. The <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, like so he I, just sounds kind of like an average baby, and then they, they it comes up again when Rainey's dies or die, mm-hmm. quote unquote, dies. Whatever yeah. happens her, when Rainey's is no longer around, it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, he was three years old and he was inconsolable and like he regressed and stopped, you know, yeah, it's like, and bro, like, his I'm mom like, just died. He's a toddler whose mom just died. Yeah, like, <laughs> what do the, you expect? This is how you know, like the maester, like. Only, like, a very patriarchal man would write that. Only a toxically masculine man right. would write that kind of thing. Right. Like, oh, he regressed because his mom died. What a weakling. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> right. Right. And also, like, it's funny to me that, um, like, Magor is kind of inseparable from Visenya, like, in the background. Yeah. Because, like, there's a point where it says, like, Aenys is on, like, is with Aegon all the time because he's, like, supposedly learning how to be king. Right. Um, and that, like, Magor's left alone with his mom on Dragonstone all the time. And no one's like, oh, man, what a little sissy boy tied to his mom's apron right. strings. Right. And Magor just, like, inseparable from his mom. That's actually really interesting that you point out, because I wonder how that, what that tells us about Aegon and Visenya's characters and how they raise children. Mm-hmm. Because if Aenys was mostly raised by Aegon and turned out to be, like, quote-unquote a soft boy or weak boy, and Magor was primarily raised by Visenya... What does that tell us about them? And Aegon the Conqueror, the strong conqueror, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that really helps us characterize the two of them, especially in their later years and after Rhaenys' death. Right, yeah, because yeah, it seems like Visenya didn't have any, had very little influence over Aenys growing up. Yeah. That, like, she didn't, like, step in to, like, fill right. the role that Rhaenys left. As far as we know, as far as we know from the text, like, it's not like Visenya was like, oh, you know, we get no sense that she was like, oh, I should raise the two boys together because right. Aenys doesn't have a mom now. And so, like, and I just magically got pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, and we could, you know, there are some theories going around yeah. um, that, like, maybe it would be good for both of them since Aenys' mom died to, like, be raised together. Like, right, she doesn't exactly. seem to do that. No, no. Neither does Aegon. Aegon doesn't say, hey, we should you know, nuclear mm-hmm. family, this all together, and, like, I need you to step up and do this. That's just no- yeah. nothing of the sort. Yeah, I get the sense that if Rainey's hadn't 
died, quote unquote, um, that they the boys probably still would have been raised fairly separately. That like I I also wonder like to what extent we're we're expecting something out of Asenia that would have not been possible at the time because from what we've seen um, when it comes to raising children in Westeros, it's not exactly the the actual the, the biological quote unquote or the biological yeah. mother's job. If mm-hmm. she's like a highborn person, right? Right. They don't, yeah, you're right. Like they don't usually like breastfeed, they, and like we saw, like in House of the Dragon, how much Allison hated her babies all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not something that was expected, right? And so nobody did it because mm-hmm. it was like you gave them to. They were nurses that did that. There were right. people that took care of them that mm-hmm. you didn't have to. And in that way, in House of the Dragon, Rhaenyra is kind of an outlier because Rhaenyra does seem to be very involved in her children's lives yeah right yeah no i think you might be right about that um and that maybe even visenya might be unexpectedly involved in magor's life Mm -hmm. that like that might have been more odd because it does seem like visenya had a really strong hand in raising magor I don't know. I don't know if I believe well, it. At least they were on Dragonstone together. They lived in the same place. They lived yeah. in the same place. So but Allison, right, yeah. Allison lives in the same place as her kids. That, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I just no, don't right. know. I don't know how much they're trying to blame how Magor eventually behaves yeah. on Visenya. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just I think don't you're know. Right. Yeah, that like we've already uncovered the bias that they think Visenya is scary. Right. And if Magor turns out to be a violent brute of a person mm-hmm. it would be very convenient to be like that oh yeah that's like he's an asshole because his mom is a spooky scary lady and what a good thing that she didn't inherit over her her brother yes because she was so spooky scary and her her heir was also spooky scary because of her mm-hmm. you know and right. cursed and all these things you know so it's like i i I wonder, it's so hard, but these, particularly with these older Targaryen histories, uh-huh. to get at, like, what actually happened. Because we just, there's just right. so many ways to interpret it. So Right, and they definitely have a bent about Visenya. Um, yeah. That feels really obvious in this section. Oh, that yeah. They're, like, that they're just, like, and to the point that I think I have notes later on in our outline, which we can jump to that, um, um, towards, the, towards the end of the section, that, like, this felt to me like a personality shift. For Visenya? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But like this section of the text, I'm like, wait, who is this person? Like, right. Exactly. Why is she and- so bitter and mm-hmm. angry and like seems to hate Aenys? Like, mm-hmm. nothing about the sections that we've covered so far would lead me to believe that she would have such an antipathy for her sister's child. Right, exactly. Especially since it seems like up until Rhaenys' death, they were, Visenya and Rhaenys were really the ones running the realm together. Yes. So, like, it, it, it is, this is what I'm saying. I would love an interpretation of this text that questioned this, specifically. Mm-hmm. That questioned this rivalry between the sisters. And, you know, reinterpreted it as, as just not existing. Like, I right. imagine, like, what it could easily be that Visenya did care for Aenys, and Aegon was doing things like taking him on procession, mm-hmm. and Visenya was like upset about that, right? And like didn't want to be separated from him. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe it's the kind of thing where it's like, like, and and this is maybe a good place to bring up this comparison too. 
there's a dichotomy between Visenya and Rhaenys, right? There's also this dichotomy between Maegor and Aenys. The difference being the genders. Yes. All right. So yeah. with sisters, there wasn't this toxic patriarchy whose dick is bigger kind of ego thing. Mm-hmm. With the brothers, there is. Yep. And it could even be a situation kind of like Rhaenyra and Alicent, where Visenya and Rhaenys are kind of forced apart by the patriarchy, by the fact that these two half-brothers become antagonistic because of the power imbalance of one being the heir and one not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. So I, that's the kind of story I think would be really compelling, because I completely agree. We don't have anything up until this point to indicate that Visenya would hate her sister's son, her nephew. Right. Yeah. Her son's half-brother. Mm-hmm. Her brother's other son. I mean, like this yes. is like a very tight-knit yeah, her- situation. You know? Yes. Uh-huh. Like, it, it's very strange, and it does seem to kind of come out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, that, like, this Visenya does not jive with the existing portrait of Visenya. Like, mm-hmm. the kind of Visenya who would go to the veil and mm-hmm. show mercy, like, rather than, like, murdering everyone, just, mm-hmm. like, show up and be like, here, let me take your kid for a ride. And then yeah. comes down and, you know... We like gains of victory through um, that kind of diplomacy Mm -hmm. does not strike me as someone who would be like, wow, my sister's kid doesn't know how to make decisions and he should be replaced. Especially because she was married to a king who we have, I think, uncovered pretty thoroughly, Mm -hmm. didn't know how to make decisions. Mm-hmm. That like it doesn't make sense to me that rather than going okay, maybe I need to help Aenys like I helped my big dumb sweet husband Aegon mm-hmm. who didn't know how to decide things for himself, that like maybe I just need to step in and help, right? Make decisions with Aenys if he really is struggling to make decisions, rather than just like okay he's done we should replace him he sucks my kids better. Right. Yeah, because it's like she's in a position where she could influence both Aenys and Maegor equally. Yeah, yeah. Especially could, once Aenys loses his mom. Yeah, I could definitely see this as like a, a way to retroactively blame the women for the men going wrong on the throne. Right? I think maybe it's a theme. <laughs> maybe it's a theme. I think maybe it's a theme. <laughs> yeah, that like if Maegor is a violent brute, it's his mom's fault. Right. And ultimately, we can just blame Visenya for whatever Megor becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, conveniently, I think somehow, like, blame Rainey's dying for Aenys not being an effective king. Mm-hmm. That, like, well, Aenys all- was always a weak, sad boy who was too attached to his mom, and then his mom died, and he regressed. And, like, that's just a sign that he's just, like, a weak, sad, like, he's and a weak, soft no boy who one- can't be king. No one blaming Aegon the Conqueror. No! Not not Aeg- Aegon has no blame in this whatsoever. He's great. Like, right. Yeah, no, he's fine. He's the best out there I, in his Aegon Fort. I, I love his Aegon Fort, God. Uh, uh, I, I agree. I think that there's there's a very serious slant in that way. And as right. we go forward, we should continue to look at that. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to talk about with Rhaenys, in our past couple episodes, we've been talking about um, our theory that maybe Rhaenys didn't die. Maybe she was taken Captive. Captive yeah. Mm-hmm. How does her having a child change that analysis? And I mean that in this way. If she was held as a prisoner and she couldn't leave, mm-hmm. fine. She's held as a prisoner, she couldn't leave. 
But if she's given the option to leave at some point, knowing she has a kid and chooses to remain there. Mm -hmm. One, is that realistic? Two, what does that tell us about Rhaenys? Right. So in terms of realistic, I mean, a few, I'm not a mother, so I can't speak from personal experience. A few of my friends are moms um, and they would never like leave their children or whatever. But that doesn't mean there aren't people that do. There mm-hmm. are mothers that do leave children and don't particularly care about the children, don't particularly want their children. Right. And uh, it, that could that could be a characterization of Rainus. You know, mm-hmm. we we don't really have anything to the contrary uh, of that. Um, and so, I mean, it could be something where she had the chance to go back and you know chose not to. Mm-hmm. And gave gave up the fact that like she she abandoned a child, right. and that's a, a bad character trait. I would say mm-hmm. it's, it's fair, right. but it's a bad character trait to do that. Right. Yeah, it does put I think more weight on the idea that at the very least, at first she's a political prisoner. That like if she survives, yeah, and is in Dorne, then at least puts weight on the idea that like if she is surviving in Dorne, she's at the very least a political prisoner. I think it puts mm-hmm. more weight on that than like. She, she was given the option to leave and stay. Or at least that's the more positive reading, right? Like, it's right. still right. possible that she chose to leave her kid and was like, he's probably going to be fine with Visenya and Aegon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, there's another potential mom there. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he can just, you know, Visenya can be the mother figure in his life. He's, you know, like, I could, I could see someone telling a story of, like, he's still a child. He's very young. Mm-hmm he can reattach to Visenya mm-hmm. and have Visenya and Aegon there for him mm-hmm. as parents. Um, and if the parents are not as involved in the direct raising of their children, maybe there's more of a reason there. But I do yeah. think you're right that like our, especially our understanding of motherhood is that they don't just leave their kids. And the situations that I am aware of where that does happen voluntarily, either they are people who didn't want to be mothers, you know, like there are several options. Don't want to be Mm -hmm. mother to begin with, um, are not particularly bonded to their child. There's abuse involved. Um, Mm -hmm. But like there are several scenarios, some of which could work and some of which can't. Right. Um, And I think it would depend on, like, so I think there are options that still exist that involve Visenya still be, like not Visenya, Rainy still being alive and in Dorne. Mm -hmm. I think the best option would be that she's a permanent political prisoner. Mm-hmm. Like, like well-treated, like you were saying, I think, mm-hmm. in a previous episode. Like, well-treated, you know, she has, like, run of the cat. Like, she can go around the cat, but she, like, can't leave. Right. And, uh... Closer to, like, a Sansa, when Sansa's in right. King's Landing. Like, she's the pol- she's definitely a political prisoner. She can't yeah. leave the castle. Mm-hmm. But she's not, like, and other than Joffrey, which, like, is a big thing. But, like, if Joffrey weren't an abusive little shit, mm-hmm. Sansa, like, wasn't entirely like she wasn't tortured i guess is right. the other, you know like they, she wasn't tortured the way that they talk about in the book like oh they found you know there are rumors that she mm-hmm. stayed around and was tortured and it's like well i mean that's not the only option she could stay around and just be a hostage right and then later on um aegon goes to dorne 10 years after the the peace mm-hmm. and brings Aenys with him and uh right. for like a celebration they have like a thanksgiving together basically <laughs> <laughs> they're renewing uh, their peace vows yeah exactly and I think it would be really interesting if 
if Rainey's was alive and mm-hmm. at that point in time they revealed to Amy's like she's not dead your trauma is as trauma as you think uh-huh. uh, she can't come home but you know this this is why we're staying at peace with Dorne right because right. your mom is here your mom is here so I could see that I like that I like that idea I, I mean, like I that I know that you it, yeah. could explain it by just like well he's taking Amy's because he's the heir apparent and like sure yeah yeah sure but I like it would, it's not suspicious that he brought him, but like, yeah. I like this idea better. Yeah. Um, also, in the notes you meant, like you you pointed out that like that Rainey's only had one kid, but yeah, like, the text suggests that like they she and Aegon sleep together a lot. Yeah. What's um, that about? So so listen, women who women who are regularly fertile and are having sex with unprotected sex with men who are regularly fertile on a regular basis are having a baby. About every two years. I mean, See, right, for it's example, Amy's and Alyssa Valarion who have six kids in, like, ten years. Right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, even in real life, you could look at the 19 kids and counting people. I mean, they they had children approximately yeah. every year and a half of that woman's fertile mm-hmm. years. Yep. Um, so if, you're, if you have two people that are regularly having sex with each other and they're not continuously getting pregnant... Either somebody's infertile, which it could be very much the case here with the Targaryens, or maybe we're not having sex as often as we're saying we are. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think there are theories on both sides. Yes. On both of those options. Um, there is a theory that has been floating around the fandom for a while that Aegon was infertile. Mm-hmm. Um, that having two wives... Both of which seem to have trouble having kids. Mm-hmm. Seems seems more likely the Occam's razor is the problem is the dude. Yeah. <laughs> like in that scenario, if you're mm-hmm. assuming under you know, if we're assuming they're having regular sex, if that's what's happening is they're having regular sex, even mm-hmm. if it's happening more often with Rainies than Visenya, mm-hmm. if both of them are struggling to have, if both of the women are not having children, right. Occam's razor says the problem is the dude. Right. Um, I, there are things that I like about this theory precisely because, one, that the bias means the maester would never recognize it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. he would never be, never be able to admit that the problem is with Aegon the Conqueror. No. And Aegon the Conquering Dragon Lord King, he's very vir- virile and very fertile. Yes. What is your problem? Yeah. No, and he could never admit the possibility that all of the subsequent Targaryens are not descended. Yes, that's the other part I like about it. Is that 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 would mean that there were no legally legitimate Targaryen heirs post Mm -hmm. Aegon the Conqueror. And I love the irony of that. That is great. I do kind of love that. But the other option with the infertility is that all three of them were having problems because all of them are their siblings. Mm -hmm. So if one's having an infertility problem and it's a genetic thing from incest, they would all potentially have that problem. So it's possible that they all... Had issues. And we do just... see that potentially with Magor as well. Magor oh, yeah. in this section has a wife, and in the same span of time that he is married to his wife, Aenys and Alyssa have like four kids. Right. And Magor has Magor none. has none. Mm-hmm. Um must be her fault. Yeah, must be her fault. She's barren. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much patriarchy blame is just immediately blame the women yeah. for infertility problems. The other option that you brought up was that they're not actually regularly having as much sex as you say. Mm-hmm. And I immediately am like, 
Is at least one of them gay? Is one of them gay? Yeah. <laughs> is it maybe the man? Is, is it? <laughs> Look, I would totally be here for like queer Aegon with two wives, like not just one wife as a beard, but two wives as a beard. Yes. And actually the true love of his life is Oris Baratheon. Yes. Yes. I would very much support that. I like both theories. Mm-hmm. God. I, and the I thing tend- is, mm-hmm. the bastard theory still works if Aegon is gay. Because if Aegon's gay, he's not having sex with either of his wives. Or he's having, like, reluctant sex with yeah, them. Yeah, or he's I having, mean, like, the possible. reluctant, yes. The reluctant, or he's the, having, yes. Lie back and think of Westeros kind of sex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm imagining uh, Aegon the Conqueror with the same, like, vis- like Alicent look on his face. Oh, like, God. Okay. He's like, uh. All right, are you done? <laughs> I just, I like both. I I tend to lean towards they're just not having as much sex as they think, as they claim. Mm-hmm. Because that's the because that's the easier one. Again, I go back to my you hear hoof prints. It's probably a horse, not a zebra. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier to look at a couple that doesn't have access to. Oh, actually, there's a third option. They do have access to some level of birth control. Right. Wait a minute. What yeah. if Rainus and Visenya didn't want to have children? Mm-hmm. They could have been all fertile. They could have been having tons of sex, and maybe Rainus and Visenya were just taking moon tea to control their fertility. Right, which makes sense to me if, if Rainey's and Visenya are doing the actual ruling. I would imagine right. that they would probably not want to have, like, six kids in a row. Right. That they would not be content to just, like, be the birthing conduit. Right, exactly. I mean, maybe they also just didn't want to have that many children. Right, right. And you I know, have, it. like, a sneaking suspicion. I cannot prove it. It's just a gut feeling that if that if Aenys had been more traditionally masculine, Visenya might not have had a child at all. Possibly, yeah, because she has Magor quite a bit afterwards. Right, that like... Magor's five years younger than Aenys, I think? Um, Yeah, three or five, somewhere in the like yeah. three to five range. Yeah. Or that like if Rhaenys had survived, like that maybe part of Visenya having a child was because maybe... So, theory, total tinfoil. I'm putting my tinfoil mm-hmm. crown on. That, yes, like, I'm ready for it. That Rhaenys and Visenya had made a deal that like Rhaenys was going to have the kids. Mm-hmm. She has Aenys, but then dies or disappears into Dorne. She can no longer be the one that has, like, she can't produce a spare mm-hmm. anymore. Because right. the ideal is to have an heir and a spare. Like, right. but Rainies can't produce a spare anymore. So Fazenia just kind of, like, has to have the spare kid. Mm-hmm. Because Rainies is no longer around. Yeah. I could see that. I think that, it, like, and, and that would go really well with um, an interpretation of the story where the sisters are close. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that so they that, had made that an agreement go. that, like, I can imagine them sitting down and talking together and be like, well, neither one of us really wants to have kids because we're, like, we're ruling and we're in charge. But, like, someone does. We got to keep the dynasty going. Right. Um, And I could see Visenya agreeing and going, like, I mean, Aegon seems to like spending more time with me or or Visenya, you seem to not enjoy this as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tinfoil theories about Visenya being somewhere on the queer and or sex and or asexual spectrum. I was gonna, I was about to say that, yeah, because particularly, and we'll get into this more talking about Raina's girlfriends. Um, the Maester describes uh, women who seem to fit uh, or seem to be in a position where they could have been queer mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, he tends to describe them as more masculine. Yep. And Visenya is like always like she wears male and pants. Oh, scary, you know. Uh-huh. Uh And 
at that time, not at that time, it's a bad, bad phrase, within Westeros, mm-hmm. there's such a strict dichotomy. Male does this, female does this. Man, woman, gender, attached mm-hmm. to your, uh, you know, attached to your sex, no questions about the in-between. Right. And the characters that we have throughout all the books that kind of get into blurring that gender presentation are the closest we get to, like, having queer characters on page. Right. And I could definitely see Visenya being... Uh, not totally straight, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the, be- the best way we could qualify it, without having any kind of language that they could express it themselves. Right. Uh, but yeah, I-, I could definitely see that. Right. But at the very least, um, I get the impression, as someone with a modern eye looking at this story, that like this woman, at the very least, does not seem to enjoy having sex with men. And that mm-hmm. could mean she doesn't enjoy having sex at all. Mm-hmm. Or it could mean that she would prefer having sex with someone who is not a man. I feel like if she had a girlfriend, though, we'd know. Yes. Like because Lena, she's spooky... like she would have favorites. Right, because Visenya's already a spooky, scary lady, and wouldn't she be spookier and scarier if she was also maybe gay? Yeah, if she was you hanging know? out, like, oh, she wasn't hanging out with Aegon, but she spent a lot of time with other ladies. Ooh. Yeah, she had all of her companions. You know, like, we never hear anything about that. Right. But yeah, I so... tend to think of her as more likely to be somewhere on the asexual spectrum. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, in which case, like, and that, and so, it, like, I could see a, a partnership happening between her and Rainey's, where Rainey's like, mm-hmm. sure, I'll have the kids. You don't yeah. seem to like this. I'll have the kids. It's, it also could be, like, a pregnancy thing. Like, I know for a lot of, uh, for a lot of gay women, myself included, for, for me, the concept of pregnancy is, like, horrifying. Yeah. Like, I have had nightmares about being, like, mm-hmm. nine months pregnant and not having the choice but to give birth. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's like a phobia for me. And I know a lot of, a lot of gay women, particularly more on the like masculine presenting end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. who have similar fears or like similarly horrified of the idea. Or like uh, my partner who's non-binary, they're like 100% against ever, they're they're the same way. They're like, I would never want to be pregnant. I would never want to give birth 0%. Like, it's just like, like a genuine fear. So Visenya might have just been like, I, I don't want this. I see this, and this is right. very uncomfortable for me for this to happen in my body. Mm-hmm. So, but that's interesting. I hadn't, it hadn't crossed my mind. There was the third option, which was that they're having plenty of sex, and they're all fertile, but Visenya and Rhaenys are controlling their fertility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Because the kid, Anus, doesn't seem to have any fertility problems because he has so many kids. Yes. Anus seems fine. Right. right. Yeah. So I don't know how infertility works genetically, but I feel like maybe it would pass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No idea. Um, like, my sister and I have both had uh, fertility issues, but, like, um, mm-hmm. my mom didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. My sister's kids aren't old enough to, you know, to know whether mm-hmm. or not that will be a problem, but that would be a thing that we could look out for. Um so like, my, yeah, I don't quite know yeah. how this runs in families. My that so my best friend's mom had fertility issues, but she did not mm-hmm. having her baby. So maybe it's not. Yeah, I, I don't know. know but, I mean, Martin could do whatever he wants, right? Like this is fancy. Magic, yeah, yeah. Where like incest is regularly happening, and it is possible that like that might make it more likely for infertility to happen, mm-hmm. or at least in his magical. His his non strictly scientifically based version of inheritance could correct could, could create space for infertility to happen within the Targaryens due to incest. Whether or not that it really works that way is is 
Right. You know, That's so. true. I'm sure he um, didn't consult a biologist before starting the... <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing we wanted to talk about was actually something you pointed out to me, Gretchen, mm-hmm. that I love, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, I get not a theory about Ray names, but like a pattern you've noticed with yes. the, these names start with Ray. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So um, at a point in time when I was when I was doing a lot of stuff with like symbolism and mythology in A Song of Ice and Fire, um, I started noticing that there were like a lot of, of female characters within the Targaryen family that have like a name that begins with Ray, which is R H A E. That there's this like it shows up a lot, and so. I'm someone who is trained in doing like um, like word studies and textual analysis. There, there's many, many mm-hmm. years ago I I studied biblical languages and stuff like that back when I was Ooh. you know still religious. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm gonna do a word study. I'm gonna do a word study and like find all of the names that begin with like this prefix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I noticed that there are like much more variations on that name and even more female characters than there are male characters. Kind of like every other generation has a boy named Aegon. Mm, yes. <laughs> They're like every other generation or sometimes even like in like multiple generations successively have a female character with this name. So I was like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? What is Martin doing? Um, so there are only like four names for male characters. There's Rhaegar. And then there's Rago and Rhaegal, which I feel like they're kind of all the same name because Rago is like Danny's baby with Drogo, who's named after mm-hmm. Rhaegar. And like Rhaegal is what she names her dragon, who is also named after, after Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Yeah. And then there's like Rhaegel. That's the only one. That's the only one that's like, and there's Rhaegar Frey, um, mm-hmm. who's also named after Rhaegar. <laughs> right. <laughs> um and then there's Rhaegal, and I can't remember Rhaegal, where Rhaegal is in the lineage, but, like, basically it feels like, except for one, maybe, all of these are basically just, like, people doing homage to Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rhaegal, I think, if I recall correctly, and I'd have to check, Rhaegal, I think, was present for Summerhall. Okay. Because I was right. reading about Summerhall recently, and I saw the name there, I Okay, think, But I, I could check, and then we'll, we'll let you guys know. Right. Okay. So, um, that would be, like, I guess the first male variation of that name then before Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are four name variations and five characters, one of which is a dragon. So I don't yeah. really know whether the dragon counts. <laughs> uh, one of which is a dragon and one of which is a baby that was definitely killed immediately after birth, so. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, but there are six variations on this name for women. There's Rhaenys or Rhaenys, mm-hmm. Rhaenys, however you want to say it. Um, there's Reyna, there's Rhaenyra, there's Rayella, there's Rael, and there's Ray. So you've got six name variations. Oh, wow. And 11 female characters. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely. It's yeah. yeah. It's a pattern that he's developing. Um, five of these female characters are explicitly female characters who should have inherited power, mm-hmm. but were usurped in some way. Um, and I think that what he's playing on is the, is like the root of like Ray in like romance languages, meaning like king or royal mm-hmm. figure. Mm-hmm. And so, um, basically a bunch of queens have a name that sound like, and in, um, I think in Spanish, the word reina is actually the Spanish word for queen. Like you have yeah. a Ray is the king and the reina is the queen. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of women who are basically like named queen. <laughs> Right. Their name means queen, and half of them are disinherited women who should have, who were the legitimate heir to power mm-hmm. and were somehow usurped or thwarted from having mm-hmm. power. 
That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that was a, like, one, like a fun coinky dink from his writing, or if he, like, I feel like he actively did that. Yeah. Because you're picking names, and, like, and there's a lot of different Targaryen names. There's yep. lots of Daelas, Daenerys. And, and he's are, not doing it with Visenya. And Vis- like Visenya is technically the oldest sibling of the of the three Targaryen conquerors. Mm-hmm. So technically, technically, if someone were to be the legitimate ruler, it would have probably mm-hmm. been Visenya because she's the oldest. Well, I wonder if there's even an inverse re- uh, reason for that, which is that historically the queens are looked on as Visenya is the spooky, scary lady, and Rhaenys is the pretty, lovely one. Mm-hmm. So the Targaryens are more likely to name their children after Rhaenys. Because right. there's not there's not a lot of Visenyas in the. Mm-mm, there are a couple. Yeah. Rhaenyra has a daughter, Visenya, the daughter who dies when she's pregnant. When um, yeah. in House of the Dragon, like in that last episode, when she's giving birth, mm-hmm. and the baby is the baby is stillborn. Yeah. Um, in the text, that baby is named Visenya. Yeah, I'm not even sure if there are there are Viserys's. Yep, there are a couple. Around. But there's not. Yeah, that's really. Hmm. So yeah, I don't. Like, it does feel like a pattern, and I, like, my, my intuition is that he's doing something with the fact that this name means something like royal figure, and mm-hmm. that these are all disinherited women. Because um, it starts with Aenys's daughter, mm-hmm. um, Reyna. Reyna is his firstborn child. So right. if, if, if they practiced equal primogeniture the way that mm-hmm. they do in Dorne, Reyna would be the queen. Right. Um, we see it in House of the Dragon, uh, both with um, Rhaenys, the queen who never was, love her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as Rhaenyra. So those are three mm-hmm. of the five. And there are two others um, who show up um, that are kind of slightly more ambiguous. But, like, mm-hmm. it's still, like, the pattern is still there kind of once you recognize. But, the, like, those three female characters are kind of, like, the explicitly, like, their names are Reyna and Rhaenys and Rhaenyra. So they have yeah. the most explicitly, like, name means queen should have Especially been Reyna. queen. Yes. Yeah, especially Reyna, like, for, right off the bat. Like, damn, right George. <laughs> uh-huh. Her name is Queen, and she should have been the Queen, and she's yeah. and she's disempowered in favor of a younger brother. Mm-hmm. And they're always disempowered in favor of a younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talked about a little bit at the beginning, that's kind of the, you know, the Amethyst Empress story of, like, she is the legitimate heir, mm-hmm. and her younger brother usurps her and takes her place. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder too, as we go through this book, if because we've talked about the Targaryen dynasty kind of collapsing over mm-hmm. time, and this the fact that this keeps happening over and over and over, and right. as it happens, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's using the similar names to try to get you to realize that pattern. Yes. Be like, oh, this happened to Reyna and Rainies, and now Rhaenyra. <laughs> hmm. Maybe feudalism and patriarchy's bad. Right. I I wonder if that's kind of the purpose. Is like, please notice the parallel. Please notice the parallel. Right. (laughs) Do you see it? (laughs) Right. And like this this section is really explicit because it like as soon as Reyna is born, like it says in the text, like that like, well now Magor's in a weird spot. Yes. Yeah. They're like, well, which one is it? Is it the young? It's it's exact. It's Damon and Rhaenyra. It's the exact same. It's exactly the same. I see it, George. (laughs) I see it. I see it. I promise. Um, and then, like, when it's talking, like, once Aenys has a few more kids and some of them are boys, it says, like, well, you know, Magor is falling further and further behind in the succession because now there are a couple of sons. And it says, quote, there were still those who claimed 
he stood behind Anies' daughters, too. I was like, good for them. Good yep. for them. There were still those. There I were wonder still who those, those were. Who believed that Reyna should be the heir. Um, I wonder what Visenya thought. Yeah. I wonder what Visenya thought. If Visenya was one of the people that thought Reyna comes before Magor. Mm-hmm. You know? Because from what we know of her characterization, that's what she would think. Yeah. Right. You know? I think that there are potentially some hints hints of that. Um, mm-hmm. And that even Magor might have believed that to be the case. Um, mm-hmm. That we we can get into later on yeah. in the chapters. But I remember, yes. like, I know some things that happen later that, like, I think there are some hints yeah. that at the very least Magor believed it. Um, and I think that if Magor believed it, it would be pretty likely that Visenya did as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely keep tabs on that. I think we also wanted to talk about how Aegon was doing in his, how Aegon the Conqueror was doing in his later years, and then yes. uh, Aegon the the baby. So there's a baby Aegon as well. <laughs> uh-huh. Is it, we're going to get start getting so many Aegons, guys. I don't know how to keep them straight. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're all over the place. But my favorite uh, thing about baby Aegon is that um, Aegon the Conqueror, sees him and is like, oh, he's got a warrior's look about him. And it's like, he's an infant. <laughs> what are you talking right. about, buddy? <laughs> I I like to think that it's because he was named Aegon. That, like, I think so. There are so yeah. many parts of, like, Aegon just is giving me, like, derpy old man vibes who, like, cannot, yeah. who's, like, all he's he Viserys. does. Yeah, he he's like all he does House is talk Dragon. about like all the cool things he did, like the fact that he's like wearing mail when he dies, mm-hmm. and he's like wearing he like that that he's doing the like man. I was once Egg on the Conqueror, you guys. I was yeah. really cool when I was a kid. He's yeah. like wearing mail and showing his grandkids like the table and being like, the I table. conquered there. Like Look I just the get table. S- I just get such like. Look at my I cool was... gaming table with my mini figs on it. Yes. Like, he had oh he had mini figs before Viserys. Viser- yeah. Oh my god, that's where Viserys gets it. Yes. Um, but he just like looks at this baby that's named after him and is like, I'm a warrior. Oh man, this kid looks like me. He's a warrior. This and Viserys says something actually Viserys has said something to almost verbatim twice in House of the Dragon. When he meets baby Joffrey, he says something like something like, Oh, he's got he looks like some some person or whatever. But then yeah. when he meets baby Viserys, he says, like, a name fit for a king. Yep. It's yes. the same joke. It's the same joke. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that, what though. A, like, I do oh, love them. Like, so pure. Like, he's such a sad old man. In the, like, okay, grandpa. Like, he's retiring. Like, he's like, I'm done being king. I just want to go play in my fort. I want to rebuild it, guys. I'm going to make it better. Yeah. We're, we're going to tear down the egg and fort. We're going to build the fort. We're going to build it in stone. But, like, this literally... But, but we're going to build it around my gaming chair. Yes. We're leaving my gaming chair intact. That stays. Whatever. <laughs> we're going to upgrade a bunch of stuff. But not the gaming chair. Keep the gaming chair. But he just, like... Seems like the happiest when he is playing in his egg and fort. Yeah, truly, <laughs> truly, truly, um, and it's really adorable, and like really precious that he just like, it's like, all right, I'm done ruling. Like he basically retire. Like he doesn't step down from being king. Like he basically steps down from being king. Like I get the impression mm-hmm. that even before he died, he was like done ruling. 
I'm not sure how much he was ruling before. Right? Like, even that. Like, I, like he, he passed off as much of it as he could to Reynas and Visenya. And then once he started having kids and they rolled enough, he's like, oh, thank God, you guys can handle this shit. Yeah, you know, right. Like, I can just go on in... parade and build my fort. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God bless. I can't blame him. And then, like, I think we will talk about this more in our next episode, but, like, I immediately am like, Okay, but what do we expect of Aenys then? Like, if this is literally mm-hmm. the person that he learned how to rule from, mm-hmm. how could we have expected Aenys to turn out any differently? Because he yeah. learned how to be king from Aegon, who literally just wants to go on parade and yeah. build his fort. I would love an interpretation of the story of Visenya trying to have influence over Aenys. And Aegon being like, look, he doesn't need all that martial crap. Like, the, the realm is at peace. Like, we did the conquering. Like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to. Like, we don't need it. Like, okay. Like, you know, they, he would maybe, maybe Aenys and Magor are in the in the yard, the practicing with swords. And Aegon comes in and is like, come on, dude, we're going to go, like, see some singers or some shit. We're going to go do some court shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he needs to practice. And Aegon's like, it's fine. It's fine. We, we, we already did peaceful. the conquering, honey. We did the conquering. Like, well, who's he fighting? We're okay. Let's go. You I know. love that. I love right? that so much. Oh my gosh, that it was Aegon. Because we also know that like Aegon has a really strong conciliatory streak. Yes. That like he was the one who was like, all right, neighbors, the law of the land is peace. And if you start fighting each other, I'm going to come kill you both. Right. <laughs> that like. Exactly. Can, can we really expect a man whose like primary mode of ruling is like everybody. Okay, everyone is getting along. We're good great Mm -hmm. that if he's teaching Aenys how to be king he's going to teach him just like make sure everyone's happy with each other make sure everything's at peace just like you know you don't have to do anything about it not having the not having the forethought of thinking that well we're at peace now maybe someday we won't be Mm -hmm. you know and being like like I already did that we did the conquering we did the dragons we did we did it and, and I guess also I would kind of get it from Aegon's point of view, given the way the Dornish War went. Right. And that, like, the last big campaign he participated in was a failure on the Targaryen side. Mm-hmm. Even you know? with and dragons. Like, even with dragons, you know? And, like, he, he, I could totally see him being like, this is not, like, we're not going to focus on the martial shit because we can just do it with diplomacy. And right. And that's what we're going to do. And Visenya being like, but... But we also need to, like, we did the thing with, with dragons and the fighting. We need to be prepared in case this happens again. And and Aegon sort of being the one that prevents that. Right. Right. And that talks a little bit about um, kind of one of the things we're noticing in this chapter is, like, there are two kinds of people mm-hmm. under patriarchy. This is one of the themes I think we're going to come back to again and again is there are two kinds of people. And there are various mm-hmm. ways to, like, frame, like, there are two kinds of people. Um, or in my brain, I joke like there are there are, there are two genders, <laughs> and yes. the genders are like, you're a nerd or you're a jock. Yep. Um, <laughs> you're a gentle soul or you're a violent asshole. Mm-hmm. You're an artist or a warrior. I like that one too. Mm-hmm. I think um, nerds versus jocks is a big one, and yeah. I think that that dichotomy comes up constantly. Right. In this, right. and I don't know if that's a George R. R. Martin thing where he's like he just prefers that or uh-huh. if that's like the lens of this maester mm-hmm. that you're either a nerd or a jock you know right but constantly it happens right and and, and they like and i put those like they're all very similar 
that you know those three things that we mentioned like nerd and jock yeah. gentle soul versus violent brute like typically the jocks are the violent assholes and are also the warriors typically yeah. the nerds are also very gentle and they're artistic and like they read <laughs> books and they like singers and they like dancing and you know like yeah but he's painting that and like i joke that it's the two genders because we see it even within the genders yes <laughs> like this is Visenya and Rainies. This is Magor yep. and Aenys. This is like you like this is Arya and Sansa. This you know, like mm-hmm. you see it, and he does it a lot with siblings. He yes. loves to put siblings into like you're one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting to me that he doesn't explicitly do it in a gendered way. Like it's not like the men are all violent assholes all and the, the jocks, women right? are all mm-hmm. artsy nerds. Mm-hmm. It's like you can be one of those things regardless of what your gender is. I would love to kind of think about in A Song of Ice and Fire if there's like siblings that we have that are like like male and female mm-hmm. and seeing if it applies. Like I'm trying to think like Catelyn Tully and, and Edmure Tully, right? Oh. Like because she doesn't have the ability to be the right. jock because of the patriarchy, but like also... I wouldn't list her as, I wouldn't put her as a, uh, I wouldn't say that she's ner- nerdy. I actually think she's got more mm-hmm. fire to her than Edgar does. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, I might list her as the jock and him as the nerd. Mm-hmm. She's another he, older sister, too. I'm yeah. Sure she's tr- older than Edmure. Yeah, she is. So she's and another usurped sibling where she should technically be the heir. And she, she would be a hell of a lot better at it than Edmure would be. Oh, infinitely so. <laughs> infinitely so. My God. Justice for Catelyn Tully. Um, but yes, I think we should keep an eye on those on the, dichotomies. Yes, on the two genders. Um, the last I, thing we want... Oh, yeah, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to go move on, on to the dragons. Did you have something else? Yes. Yeah, that was oh, so, yeah. The last thing we want to talk about is the dragons, because we're starting to get dragon names, and this is going to be our scale of dorky to try hard for dragon names. Right. <laughs> right. And you are the one who pointed out that at some point it becomes so try hard that it's dorky. It becomes dorky again. It becomes dorky again. But I feel like, like it'd just be like a fun thing to like rank all the dragon names. Because yes. like Maraxes and Vega and Valerian are like cool dragon names. Yeah, those are like probably gods or something from Valeria. I think they are. Uh, but the, like, first, the first one that's born, uh, the first new dragon that's born, they give to Aenys. And he goes, this one's called Quicksilver. And, okay. It's fine. It's not really creative, but... Um, it's like a, a middle of the road. What is Quicksilver is a substance, isn't it? I forget mercury. what Quicksilver is. It's mercury. Okay, so all right, it's it probably the dragon was shiny. Yeah, and, maybe even silverish. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's a nice neutral. Like it's a, that's right in between dorky and tryhard. Like yeah. it's it's a it's a nice whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, then you have Vermithor. <laughs> that's that's Jaehaerys's dragon. That's Jaehaerys's dragon. It's kind of tryhard, but it's cool. I like it's it. It's definitely try hard. It's definitely try hard. Hey, like, like, get in, get in on my dragon, girl. It's Vermithor. We're going to the mall. You know, like, whatever it is, it's like, like Vermithor is absolutely try, try, try hard. Like, I feel like he's going for the vibe of, like, Vagar and Meraxes and Balerion. Like, he's going for that, like, yeah. may, you know, it, Val- Valyrian dragon name. Yeah, it does sound like a medication. Vermithor. <laughs> <laughs> Take Vermithor for all of your, you know, if you get a rash. You take Vermithor for all of your patriarchy needs. <laughs> do, you, do you feel small? Take Vermithor. 
And then I'm not sorry, to be mixed Raina. with Vagar. I love Raina so much. I'm, but I am sorry. Dreamfire is a What's dorky name. <laughs> Okay, okay, but that's 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 a pretty gay name. Okay, yes. listen, it's it's the kind of shit that a, a little gay kid would name their dragon. I I get it. Yeah, yeah I, 100%. I agree. I I cannot, in fact, say that I would not have named my dragon Dreamfire when I was like ten years old. Exactly, Dreamfire is our first truly, truly, truly My Little Pony name mm-hmm. of the dragons. Yes, like truly, but yeah, it is very dorky. I agree. And then we get um, Silverwing, who. That's is... Alice Ann's. Yes. Was Alice Ann. I think Alice's not quite born in this section. I think, isn't she born in the next section? Whose child is Alice Ann? I always get confused with these freaking um, generations. Um, Amy's and Alyssa's child. Yeah, so that she's born in the next section, yeah. So uh, Silverwing will be Alice Ann's. And I like Silverwing. I think that's. That's. I also think it's My Little Pony, but it's not as My Little Pony as Dreamfire. It's definitely not. I feel like it's maybe just a little bit slightly dorkier than Silverwing, but like the, you mean slightly dorkier than slightly dorkier than Quicksilver. Than Quicksilver, yes. It's like slightly yeah. dorkier than Quicksilver, but like closer yeah. to Quicksilver than Dreamfire. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh-huh. I can't wait to get to Sunfire. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on oh. a second. We love it. All right. Well, Gretchen, we did a really bad job keeping the podcast short again. I know. <laughs> God, we're bad at this. It's okay. Because hopefully you're enjoying it. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm I'm sure we have th- three, maybe four listeners at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they're enjoying it and um, uh, loving it. I mean, I think, look, we did a lot of good analysis. Right. I think it's, I think it's worth it uh-huh. myself. Nobody can control us. It's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so to sign off. Uh, remember that b- babies are not marriage material. <laughs> uh, and family political galas are way more fun when your girlfriend is around. Definitely true. Definitely mm-hmm. accurate. All right, guys. We will... Uh, oh, so for next time, we're reading the next 10 pages after this. I um, believe that ends... We are ending on... What page are we ending on? In the text, it's page 73. So we're 73. reading from... We are reading from page uh, 62, starting with the, the line that says, the new king's medal would be tested sooner than anyone could have imagined. And we are reading to page 73, ending on, instead he sent the queen dowager to her chambers in Sea Dragon Tower and ordered her to remain there. LOL. Sure. <laughs> sure, anus. <laughs> uh, so if anybody who's following along, that's the next section we'll be doing in the next episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. And we will talk to you guys next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. So I had a prophetic dream uh, this week. Like the High Septon. Like the High Septon. I had a prophetic dream. Uh, For those of you who do not know, I'm a large, large, huge Taylor Swift fan. And she recently re-released, she re-released one of her old albums, uh, and she put new songs on it, basically. Mm. And one of the songs is called I Can See You, and it's, like, very catchy and poppy or whatever, and I really like it. So she releases the album, and then that night, I have a dream where I'm talking to Taylor Swift. I'm, like, hanging out with her, and I'm like, Taylor, listen, this is a great song. You should release a music video for this song. 
and you should play it at your era's tour because she's on tour right now um for the audience like you should premiere it because she did this previously with another song she premiered a music video at the, at a concert i uh, you should premiere it for them because like they would love it mm-hmm. i then like woke up out of sleep at four in the morning and checked my phone and she had released the uh music video for i can see you and it was online and she had premiered it at the concert <laughs> and therefore i'm a prophet you're magic i'm magic it's definitely magic (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of cool though it was like so weird but like this is what i'm saying like whenever we talk about dreams in like this i'm like you have dreams every night right Right. eventually something is gonna line up because you're dreaming about stuff you know that's happening in your world and like my brain said we're talking to taylor swift we love this song it's a banger and we want a music video from it and we know that this is a thing she's done before Right, it's, it's a thing she's done before, exactly. And my brain put it all together, uh-huh. and it just happened that I had that dream the night that it happened, right? Because right. like, it was going to happen at some point. Right. But yeah, prophecy. Yeah. No, I mean, no, Caroline, what actually happened was that you mystically connected with Taylor Swift while yes. you were sleeping. Yes. Mystically connected with her, and then she was not planning on doing that, and then was like, oh, I'm getting a message. Right, she's like, I have Caroline. an idea. I, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the the psychic connection. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, and you know, I'm gonna do this thing that I wasn't planning on doing before. Yes, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. 